As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hi there, it is day 12 of the World Cup here in Qatar. Coming up, reflections on Lionel Messi leading Argentina through to the last 16 on a night that also saw Poland squeeze through at the expense of Mexico. Plus, we'll hear the story of how FIFA could introduce shootouts to decide whether teams should get a bonus point if group stage games are drawn at the expanded World Cup in 2026. I'm Adam Leventhal and this is the Athletic Football Podcast. Fernandes. So the sound of running water means that we are back at James Horncastle's villa by the pool. He insists upon it. Adam Crafton is here with us as well. James, we were both there at the 974 Stadium to see Argentina's excitable victory over Poland. What was your take on it? The experience, the... The, the jeopardy, I suppose, as well, which was, which was key to start off with. Well, after the Mexico game, Argentina's coach, Lino Scaloni, said, uh, we've got to get a grip on this because our tournament so far has been just too emotional. Um, you know, after the shock of the opening game against Saudi Arabia and everyone kind of throwing what the team had achieved into doubt, 36 games undefeated, champions of South America, then the relief of beating Mexico and staying in the competition. Last night at the 974, it was the best performance by Argentina we've seen. It felt like everything they'd said after the Mexico game, that they were liberated, that they were relieved, that they could now start to express themselves was true. And also, I think Scaloni has tweaked this team one game after another uh, in order to find the right balance. And it felt like he found it last night with the injection of some young, energetic players from the start. We've seen Enzo Fernandez and Julian Alvarez come on for Argentina and make impacts. They started this game and Michael Cox was sat next to me and Cox was blown away by their counter-pressing. 
you know, how quickly if they lost the ball, they won it back again really quickly. And I think that meant that Messi was more engaged in the game more because the team had more of the ball. They were able to get it to him. And so we saw that Messi, the playmaker last night, where, okay, he had a penalty saved, but he created a few really good chances with incisive passing. And That's now what stood out, wasn't it, with, with Messi? Yes, you mentioned the, the, the penalty. It's the way he passes, the, the, almost like the, it's the waste swa- of the passes. Yeah, but yeah. also the swaz that he puts on it all the time. There's always, they're always sort of high-caliber passes into the right spot all the time. I mean, they hadn't really been able to get in behind their opponents up until now in this tournament. We saw Mexico set up very negatively uh, against them. You know, they played, they didn't play with a striker. They played with two wingers up front. Um, They played with kind of five across midfield. And Argentina could never get their game to speed up. And they did regularly last night. And there was a lot of excitement, not only among the team, but you could see among the Argentine press corps because the results earlier in the day which meant that Australia qualified and the group winner from Argentina's group would play Australia. That I think the players would have been aware of that. The, the journalists were aware of it and they all of a sudden thought, hang on a minute, this tournament is now really opening up for us because on the eve of the tournament, they thought, we'll probably win our group and play Denmark, which will be a tricky game considering what Denmark had done at the European Championships last year. And then when they lost to Saudi Arabia, they thought, OK, we'll probably play France. And now, in the space of a week, they've got themselves into a, into a position where they're going to play Australia in the, in, the, in the round of 16. And, I mean, you mentioned their excitable fans. Last night, I mean, 45 minutes after the full-time, the fans were still in the stadium, bouncing up and down, singing about winning a third World Cup. And it didn't feel hopeful... It felt, you know, like they now believe it. And so, yeah, the change of mood over, uh, over the course of the week with this Argentina team has been pretty astonishing to witness. We'll come on to the, the Polish side of things in a moment's time because I think it's worth referencing that. And just on a, on a night of subplots, it was interesting that what transpired afterwards was that in the delay between the penalty incident and it then being awarded, that Wojciech Szczesny had basically said to Messi, I bet you hundred dollars this isn't going to be a penalty obviously it was and he's not going to he's not going to call in the bet but it was it was an interesting little subplot to actually what goes on between players and two big characters yeah I think it was just playfulness on Chesney and that is entirely in keeping with his character you know I mean before the game he'd been reflecting on his previous penalty save in this competition I think he became only the third goalkeeper in the history of the World Cup to make two penalty saves at the same tournament. And he'd been saying, oh, at Juventus, we've kind of developed a way of looking at penalties and stopping penalties, and we've stopped more penalties than we've conceded over the last few years. But don't go giving all the credit to Juventus and my goalkeeping coach. Ha, ha, ha. And that's just entirely in keeping with who Chesney is. And I don't want... uh, this this story really as sensitive as FIFA will be to it to kind of detract from his emergence as probably the best penalty saving goalkeeper in the world he has also been one of the best goalkeepers in Serie A since he moved to Italy and I think it's still something that has been underreported or lost because the Premier League kind of dictates the narrative I remember when he was at Roma he was the starting goalkeeper Alisson was on the bench 
Juventus chose him to replace Gigi Buffon. And, you know, as much as he's a joker and you know, people sometimes don't take him seriously, he has fulfilled the kind of potential that Arsene Wenger saw in him all those years ago. And, and yeah, he's been one of the players of the tournament so far. I mean, okay, he lost last night. He conceded two goals, but he also made 11 saves on top of the, on top of the penalty that he stopped. So I think I'm, I'm kind of quite pleased that on a, on a world stage, he's showed what he's been showing in Italy really for the last four or five years. But Adam, obviously, everyone wants to see Messi. You saw it last night with the, the Argentine press pack. We, you know, they're, they're, just, they're just purring every time he gets the ball. The fans up another level. The tournament needs Messi to be successful as well. And I would have thought the, you know, the, the Qataris who are, are running it, FIFA who are running it as well, they feel that too, that there's just an extra element whenever he's anywhere near anything. I think generally Messi has been, he's got better as this tournament's gone on. And it was interesting, I, I know it's kind of the thing everyone does to compare him to Cristiano Ronaldo, but just his involvement in this World Cup, in the actual games, in terms of the way that his team plays his part his combinations it all seems to fit a little bit better than it does with Ronaldo and Portugal and that's kind of just the way that their games have evolved Ronaldo's the finisher Messi's always been more of a playmaker but I think as they as they both get older Messi has been able to endure that little bit more and still be you know no one's watching Argentina and thinking should Messi still be playing whereas I think when you watch Portugal you do think should Ronaldo be an automatic selection? So, so yeah, I mean, definitely for the tournament, you know, even as journalists here, right? Like, I was thinking yesterday, you know, do I try and get a ticket for this game? Because it could be the last ever time we see Messi at a World Cup, right? If Argentina that would have gone That is precisely the reason why I did that. Right. I, I, you, never, you never quite knew, because you weren't sure whether a team that is capable of losing to Saudi Arabia has another shock in them but as James mentioned they use that 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 um they harness that power of beating Mexico to go up to the next level I completely agree with Adam that there was this sense of jeopardy earlier in the day about oh hang on a minute the game I'm going to see could be Messi's last game as soon as the game kicked off you never felt that way no (laughs) You, you you felt like it they were on top that they were in command um, even when he missed the penalty, the Argentine fans' reaction was, Messi, yeah. Messi, yeah. Messi. Yeah. They're probably quite used to him missing penalties by this point, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> but one of the things that's really struck me over the course of the last week, just doing all of Argentina's games, is that Messi's been willing to stand up and be counted in good and in bad. He has stopped in the mix zone in every game. Now, you wouldn't necessarily expect that of like a superstar... You know, a lot of them just walk through the mix zone or don't even come through the mix zone. James, for 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 listeners who don't know, (laughs) what is a mix zone? The mix zone is where journalists can gather after the game to catch two minutes with a player at at max. And you would say that all players have to walk through the mix zone. They don't really. They find other ways in order to get on the team bus. But Messi... even after his media duties with TV rights holders, he can come to the, the press who aren't paying, essentially, to be there. And, yeah, after the Saudi Arabia game, he stopped. He showed accountability. He wanted to essentially take all of that pressure on his shoulders. No one else stopped after the Saudi Arabia game from the Argentina team. They all walked disconsolate, their heads down. They looked angry. They looked upset. He stopped and spoke 
He did the same after the Mexico game when he was given the Man of the Match award. And last night, again, he didn't really have to stop, but he did. And I think it just goes to show his maturity, how he wants to be a leader of this team. I think when people look at Messi, they see someone who's quite quiet, quite withdrawn. And instead, he wants to speak for this team. He wants to be the leader of it. And Which is and all, yeah, sort of ominous, isn't it? Because if, he th- if he's believing, that could be the, the game changer. Yeah, but I, I think it, he just has, he feels ownership yeah. with this team now in a way that perhaps he hasn't done in other tournaments. And, and yeah, I think that's, a, that's another quality to him that, um, you know, having the privilege to report on the games, but also have some access to him, you kind of see another layer of his character, another layer of his, his importance to his team, but also to his country. We have to deal with the Poland element to this because there was, a, there was another team playing, apparently, but they barely got over the halfway line when they had an opportunity to to counter-attack they seemed to be caught between a rock and a hard place they didn't know what they should be doing should we go for it or we, then we're going to maybe concede more that could come into play and then towards the end we had the situation whereby Mexico were leading against Saudi Arabia 2-0 they were drawn on the various tiebreakers and we were into the realms of whoever advanced from the group with Argentina was going to go through due to a better disciplinary record. Now, a lot of people get up in arms about this, but you have to have a tiebreaker eventually. And I was counting down, you look through the page, you know, goals, goal difference, goal scored, etc., etc., etc. Obviously, it didn't come down to it in the end, but it seemed to get a lot of people very irritated. What was your, what's your, your take on it, James? Well, in the stadium, you actually became quite fun because Argentina were dominating as you mentioned they were playing entirely in Poland's half and it became a different type of game it, it, for Poland it, it felt like it wasn't a football game it was it was walking a tightrope it was making sure that as tired as you are from chasing shadows you don't make that clumsy challenge you don't get booked and go home because you've got a worse disciplinary record and there was one moment late in the second half, I think the 78th minute, where their most experienced player, I think, with Chesney, Krikowiak, almost forgot the situation. McAllister uh, went past him. He chased after him, took him out, got booked. And the, side, the Polish sideline was like, oh, no, this is, this is crazy. And uh, immediately substituted him. And it just felt like an eternity for them. Chesney was talking about it after the game. He was like, it feels like we've been playing for five hours because, you know, they had 12 minutes to go after Kroviak got substituted, then another six minutes of added time. I mean, this isn't the tournament where you have to see out a situation like that because you know that the added time is going to be longer than it's ever been. So, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was an interesting thing to witness, really. Um, just also to see, like, the Polish... Some members of the Polish press corps in the... <laughs> in the press tribune celebrating this defeat uh, of course because they went through but you know they've ultimately gone through not because of a goal or something like that but because yeah they they didn't pick up another two yellow cards which would have ruled them out it was interesting watching the the Poland coach as those seconds were ticking down he was doing all the classic edgy moves yeah looking at his watch this, biting his nails this, yeah, hand this on a his lot. forehead <laughs> pacing up and down it was intolerable for him but uh, it, it was interesting from a sort of a footballing perspective that they could have taken 
this out of the, the the sort of the situation by just trying to score a goal. I know? think the surprising thing was that I mean when he took off Krakowiak, he didn't put on another midfield player. I was going to say defensive midfield player. Krakowiak wears the number ten, which is one of the incongruous squad numbers uh, in this tournament. But he put on a striker. But all of this yellow card, can Poland go through on fair play grounds? Kind of took away from. Hang on a minute. This was supposed to be Messi Lewandowski. <laughs> tonight and yeah Lewandowski spent the entire night in his own half chasing shadows himself in the 94th minute almost took Messi out and could have been booked but very disappointing uh, night for him even though Poland have ultimately qualified uh, what for the first time since 1986 for the knockouts and his manager afterwards tried to kind of deflect from the night Lewandowski had by just saying look if if Robert was in that Argentina team tonight he would have scored five goals so there you have it he'll have another chance to score in the in the knockout stages so we'll see so the upshot of all of this is that Poland do advance and they're going to face France they're going to need to try something different let's be brutally honest in that game Mexico missed out because ultimately all the yellow card situation went out the window when Saudi Arabia scored late. Tata Martino, their coach, left pretty much as the final whistle was blown and he announced it in the in the news conference. Contract ended. See you later. And it's going to be Argentina that face Australia, who beat Denmark in another shock result. And Jay Harris was there for us and he sent this. But it's Australia who will break and this is an opportunity and the flag has stayed down and Matthew Leckie here could create history and he scored and Australia lead and look at the reaction all the substitutes are on the pitch this is a huge moment in the football history of Australia a huge, huge moment I've just left Al Janoub Stadium which has been the scene of another shock upset at this World Cup in Qatar as Australia have won 1-0 against Denmark and knocked their opponents out of the competition in the process. Denmark were a lot of people's dark horses ahead of the competition. It's really difficult to truly encapsulate the just incredible feeling that's in Australia's camp at the moment. I saw members of the Australian media in tears after the game, spoke to a few of the players, and they all kept referencing the 2006 World Cup, that golden generation, Mark Schwarzer, Tim Cahill, Harry Kuehl, and they got to the last 16, and they just felt so proud of themselves that they'd managed to repeat the same thing. Assistant coach Rennie Muhlenstein was laughing with reporters. Denmark's captain, Simon Kier, was next to him and he was so upset. So a massive contrast of emotions, but Australia feeling really confident. They've only got three days until their next game, but they just said that they were going to do whatever it takes to be fit and ready. And it's definitely going to be exciting to see what they can achieve. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. So, Adam, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into this. You wrote yesterday on The Athletic about FIFA's plans for the expanded next World Cup in 2026. What is the plan for people who haven't read the piece yet? Well, I mean, the, the plan is, is still fully being worked out, um, kind of classic FIFA land situation. So what we do know is the tournament is going to be a lot bigger. There's going to be, was it 16 more teams? So you have 48 teams at the World Cup next time around. And because of that, there's question marks about how many teams will be in groups. So the idea that was initially signed off by the FIFA Council was three-team groups. So you'd have 16 three-team groups. You'd have two games within that three-team group for each team. That therefore leaves a situation where you may well end up with several teams being on the same amount of points. So one of the ideas that's being considered is the idea of having penalty shootouts within the group stages in order to avoid teams finishing on the same point or also to avoid a situation where teams can conspire in that final game to get results that would be mutually beneficial and also to avoid this collusion even further these shootouts could even take place before games rather than after games so that there's more jeopardy and so that teams don't know exactly what position they may be in by the end of that final game this is as clear about as clear as mud (laughs) no no it makes sense and it's almost sort of harping back to 1982 and i think it was known as the disgrace of Gijon, when there was a one nil win for west germany against austria but it actually sent both teams through and they were basically just having a a kickabout by the end of it and it upset so many people in particular Algeria. Do you think that this is a, a sensible approach to, to change it to three teams? Or, I mean, is there any other well, way well, of doing it? Is I there mean, anything else on the table? Yeah, so even though the FIFA Council has signed things off, I mean, the, the information we have is that there are some now who are thinking maybe it would just be easier to go back to four. But the risk of that is you're, because you've got an expanded tournament, you will therefore have teams in that are weaker or you shouldn't really say nations that we wouldn't traditionally have seen in the tournament, which Gianni Infantino would say that's opportunities, that's growing the game, that's, that's, that's all a positive thing. The downside is you are going to have weaker teams, which means there's a risk of games that are either dead rubbers or landslides. Um, but there are people now that are pushing for that, which would mean there's 12 groups of four. Um, but again, it's how do you fit that into the calendar? 
because that would also mean potentially more games. So I think the three team groups are still most likely penalty shootouts, possibly with bonus, which would give bonus points that would work into it. I think it would play really well in the States. You know, I mean, one of the biggest criticisms of soccer in the States are it's low scoring and, there's, you know, they would say there's too many ties, right? Why is no one winning? Um, so if you're really trying to grow the game in the States, and I know there'll be people who might be listening in other parts of the world or even in the States itself that are more traditional, but actually, to me, it sounds quite fun. But uh, this is uh, the, the penalty shootouts. Here. The, the twist, I suppose, with the penalty shootouts is it, it's not necessarily at the end of the game if, if it's a draw. They might do it prior to the game. Just explain why that might be needed. Yeah, because if you were to do it after the game, then... You, you end up kind of in that same situation yeah. where both teams already know what they need and therefore there's that uh, there is a heightened risk of collusion it still seems a bit strange to me this this idea that you know international teams are going to collude with one another at a world cup to decide what happens but i suppose if it you know if it was to help both teams then it kind of makes sense you're sitting there james you're here <laughs> i can see all of these ideas <laughs> washing over you and I'm, I'm still not quite sure whether you think any of this is a good idea <laughs> tell me um, like after a week of four games a day uh the idea of this tournament being expanded and yeah. uh new tiebreakers been introduced um yeah i'm sure i'll be okay with it but i'll probably need four years to get over this tournament it's also what people forget is the next tournament canada mexico usa is over so many time zones as well i mean this this one's been you know all contained in one city but this next this next one is going to be absolutely fascinating from a time zone perspective i think it's like five or six time zones in total maybe even more that, that, that it's across so it is going to be completely unlike any other tournament we've experienced i know we've all said that you know this one's like a tournament like no other the next one will feel very very different do you think that the fans on a you know a global scale desire a result in in games or do you I think do. that this is just simply a a u.s thing can you can we not admire a, a chess match that sort of plays out and we get exciting nil-nil draws or, or, or are we all going down the road of razzmatazz, we have to have a result and it's, it's the be-all and end-all? I have to say, out here, you know, particularly the second round of games where I think there was quite a few nil-nils, first round, second round, I, I did think like, there was a few managers that were playing it pretty safe, to be honest. You know, England have drawn, it may just be coincidence, they drew against Scotland last year in their second game in the group stage at the Euros, nil-nil, they had a nil-nil here against the USA. Both games, Gareth Southgate, the manager, having won the first game, was just very, very safe because if you win the first game, draw the second game, you're basically in control of your group. So I maybe have gone a bit American in, in that mindset of, you know, if, if people are paying, you know, several holidays worth of money to go to a World Cup and see some entertainment, you know, many people that attend World Cups, they're not all sort of people that are going to Watford week in, week out. Sorry, Adam. But, you know, that, that, that love, you know, football for football's sake and just going to games. And I, I, think, I think there is something in the fact that, you know, people who are going to World Cups kind of deserve a little bit more entertainment, that they deserve an outcome. I, I, don't, see, I don't personally see that as such an offensive thing. I think certainly the fans out here, I think, would have, would have enjoyed that. You know, I walked past the other day, and maybe this isn't representative, but this was the day after Argentina beat Mexico. I was down by, by the water, and I bumped into an, a fan with an Argentina shirt, and there was also uh, three fans... Uh, sorry, no, sorry. 
three fans with Argentina shirts, one with a Mexico shirt, right? The ones with Argentina shirts on were all wearing Messi tops. And I said to this Mexico-Argentina guys, I'm surprised you guys are still talking to each other after Argentina won against Mexico yesterday. And you know, they're like, what are you talking about? We're all Mexican. We just love Messi more, yeah. right? And that's, there's been a bit of that around this tournament. It's been the first time we've really seen, I think, probably at a tournament, that sense of people following players yeah. as much as they follow clubs or clubs or countries and I'm sure there's loads of Mexico fans here who hate Argentina right but I found that quite instructive in terms of us as journalists have to open our minds more that things are changing in football fandom one more question to you James and I don't want to turn this into a, a red line debate and you know Adam is saying red lion or red line red line red li- <laughs> I wouldn't like to have any debates in the red lion pub it looks like a an awful place well, to be I mean the news story here is that Adam Crafton wishes more penalty shootouts on England um, <laughs> yeah which... I do I, mean, I might become better at them yeah true <laughs> but do you the, the point is Adam is all in right we need hey guys we need more results are you actually more of a football purist and you accept that it's just part of the part of the furniture that you know you have to take the rough with the smooth look I mean <laughs> He's Italy. He loves nil-nil. <laughs> well, big well, tournament means it, Italy might make it. As a journalist, I like it. I like an outcome where it's like a team has won or a team has lost. It makes things a little bit easier than, you know, yeah. sort of like, okay, well, yeah. what are we going to think of here to write about this tactically fascinating nil-nil that we've just seen? So, yeah, I mean, in terms of results-biased uh, reporting, you know, it's, I, I'm all for it um, over performance. So, but, no, I mean, I, I agree with Adam in terms of, like, I do feel that football has come... Not just more about the stars and following them, but it's just more about moments, uh, really. Um, I think there's, we'll, probably, we'll probably get to a stage where we'll have a debate about our games too long. Yeah. Not here. Andrea Agnelli's Andre, Andre <laughs> been in the news for other reasons uh, uh, th- this week, uh, having resigned from his, his position as president of Juventus. But yeah, one of the things... Can that, we, you can read a very good piece by James about that on The Athletic. Thank you, Adam. One of the things that him and other super leaguers have proposed is, is that you know we have to we have to kind of think about how we're going to capture the attention of, of of the next generation who are living a lot of their lives on on tiktok and seeing just short moments really yeah. and, and 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 getting stimulation from that and i think we're going to have a debate about is football too long should we introduce moments like these as tiebreakers as deciders as, as as elements that are part of entertainment really as much as as much as, much as a way of deciding matches so yeah in that, in that sense that that is the way the game is going what, what one thing i would say just in terms of innovation around world cups there was all those discussions wasn't there about the biennial yeah. world cup and having it every two years just being out this is the first time i've been at a world cup and being out here the jeopardy that you get around all these great players knowing that this this is one of two, three, four, okay, Ronaldo, whatever, five, five tournaments, is it, it, it makes it so much better. It makes it so much better and it makes the emotion so much more real and strained and it almost humanizes so many of these stars because they become, they become almost like pathetically desperate, don't they? They are so desperate to win this tournament and, and there's a childlike thrill about being here for them because of the rarity of it it was that by any idea was one of the worst ideas in an environment where they come up with so many bad ideas that, that, that could ever have happened it's, it's so important that that rarity is maintained james thank you very much Pleasure. adam 
thank you for much more on all the topics well worth digging into that piece that, that adam has written all the writing as per usual from james you know reacting to that game between Argentina and Poland last night as well. And much more besides, head to The Athletic and you can subscribe now for £2 or $2 a month for the next 12 months by heading to theathletic.com forward slash football pod. That is it for today. Yellow cards and all. And we will see you tomorrow. The Athletic.